Welcome to Nurses Can Achieve Podcast with your host, Christopher Harris. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Inspiring, current, and retired nurses. Welcome to a podcast dedicated just for us. Thank you so much. Today, I have a wonderful guest. She's coming in from Georgia. I had a chance to meet her. Let me put down this intro music. I had a chance to meet her. And it's been a pleasure. We've been going back and forth. And I would love for her to introduce herself. Please. Good afternoon, Christopher. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. My name is Wanda Jones, and I am the president of the Georgia Nurses Foundation. And I am a retired family nurse practitioner. The crowd loves you. You can hear them clapping in the background, can you? (laughs) Thank you so much. So you are currently the president of the GNF? Correct. And what is the GNF? The GNF, the Georgia Nurses Foundation, is the charitable and philanthropic arm of GNA. And we support GNA and its work to foster the welfare and the well-being of nurses, promote and advance the nursing profession, thereby enhancing the health care, the health of the public. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. And how long have you been the president? I have been the president for, uh, this is my third term. Normally, you only run two terms, two terms of two years, so that would be four. But due to some very unfortunate circumstances, I am running a third term. Uh, Not that I am not happy about it. (laughs) I'm very happy about it. I love being the president of the foundation. We have done some tremendous things. I've got some great ideas going forth, but um, we are, it's just, it's just that I am running my third term right now. Is it possible that you could be in a fourth term? Are you Absolutely. the Roosevelt of the GNF? No, <laughs> no. no. We have uh, we're instituting this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we go on odd years, so our term will run from twenty three to twenty five. Okay. So this year we're starting um, uh, a president elect, like the Associate Georgia Nurses Association has president and a president elect. So the president elect kind of follows the president for two years and then takes over so this year we're instituting a president-elect and i am so honored and so thrilled that dr karen rawls has agreed to um, be the president-elect for gnf and she will be president-elect for two years and then two years from now she will assume the presidency of gnf and i am very honored and proud that she has agreed to do that Wow, we we actually interviewed her. Wow, wow! I think this is breaking news. Actually, oh, whoa! This is breaking news. Wow, we have some awesome people on the foundation. Um, and um, remember, were you able to see all of the preliminary sessions? at the membership assembly? No, miss. Unfortunately, I wasn't. I think I was running around doing interviews here and there. Well, there was an interview. uh, One of the preliminary sessions um, had um, rural um, health people. Yes, um, actually, I was there. Yes. For that one? Yes, I was, absolutely. the lady who is from Homerville, Georgia, Uh do not ask me where Homerville is. It's obviously rural. Um, Miss Ammons has agreed to also be 
to come on as a trustee on the board of trustees. And I am very thrilled to have her because she certainly does think outside the box. And Mm -hmm. she certainly has, uh, I think, turned around Clinch Memorial Hospital. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited about having her on. But I have some awesome, there are some awesome, awesome people on the foundation board, Dr. Gerald Hobbs. If you've never met that gentleman, you need to interview that gentleman. Yes. He is phenomenal. Dr. Sean Little, Dr. Natalie Jones. That's just a few of the people that are on the foundation. Let's quickly list, you know, trying to think of the people. We've got some new people coming on, yes. some old people rotating off. And so, yes, but it's, it's, it's uh, the foundation has done a lot mm-hmm. in the last few years. Um, if I can take the opportunity, well, no, I'll wait. I'll wait till the end to say what I was going to say about the scholarships. Excellent. You are mentioning what JNF does, and I think that's really terrific. As we go further with this interview, can you tell me a little bit of how you became a nurse? What started you in nursing? Were you a nurse at a young age? What's your story? Uh, no, um, I was not. Uh, <laughs> I um, actually went to, when I graduated from high school, I actually went to um, nursing school, Georgia Baptist College of Nursing in Atlanta. And, um, you know, as an 18-year-old love over conquers all, and my, uh, I was engaged at the time, and you know, he was drafted. It was the Vietnam arm, uh, time. And at that point, um, that school did not allow students to be married and go to school. So I quit school and, and um, um, then when my heart. children were, <laughs> right. so then when my children were grown and married, I um, actually went back. Well, actually, when my children were in high school, I went back and got my business degree and did accounting for 20 years. Oh, wow. And then when my children were grown, married, I went back to school and got my BSN. I was 47 when I got my BSN. Um, uh, My first job was labor and delivery. I worked there for 10 years. I worked at the medical center in Columbus, Georgia. I went to Columbus, used to be called Columbus College. Now it's Columbus State University. Um, So while I was working in labor and delivery, I went back and got my master's in nursing and adult health education. Um, that I graduated in 97. I was 50 years old on that one. I continued to work labor and delivery, went back and got my postgraduate family nurse practitioner. And I was 57 when I graduated from that. So don't think that you're not too old to go back to school. Well, let me, let me ask you about that. You know, um, I think that's really terrific. And the fact that you got your NP at 57, a lot of older adults that I've spoken to have a fear about going back to school because they feel like they're not sharp enough or they don't have what they had when they were younger. What is your message for older adults who choose nursing as a career change? Similar how you did accounting and then went to, I mean, what would you say at 47 and 57? I mean, you know, please tell me. <laughs> well, I, I, um, I just decided that um, I wanted to go back and complete and to finish my nursing degree. And um, yes, it was tough. Yes, I was the oldest one in my class and, the, and for my BSN. 
Um, they used to call me grandma, you know, and tease me because I was, uh, you know, certainly the oldest one in the class. I will say that I had a very unique uh, class in that there were a lot of people that year, my class, who were going back for their second degrees. So not a lot of young people, but I certainly were, was the oldest. And it was okay. I didn't mind. When I went back to get my master's, of course, there were older people. There, Most everybody was, I would say, late 30s, early 40s for their master's. So when I went back for my family nurse practitioner, again, most folks were in their 40s. Again, I was late 50s, but, but that's okay. As you're young, it may take you a half an hour to learn something or 15 minutes to learn something. I would have to maybe repeat and repeat and take a little bit longer, but that's okay. I, you know, sometimes I think as you get older, you tend to uh, be more diligent in your studies, that you tend to um, not let things get in your way. You, you tend to dedicate a dedicated time to study because like I, as I was saying, I work three 12 hour shifts going back from my master's and my FNP. So I worked three 12-hour shifts in labor and delivery. Back then, we were required to be in class, not online. So I had to sit in class all day long. And then I had clinicals. So my time to study, I had to find a dedicated time to study because the three 12-hour shifts, your brain did not function when you got home for you to study. So you had to pick other times. So I think as the older you get, you tend to be a little more... Um, regimented a little more dedicated in your time element even though you may have family you may have children you of course a job there's all things that are involved in it but you do take the time to really study and 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 um, that's what I did I just found my time and shut the phones off you know I told everybody do not call me nothing between x amount of time because that was the time that I dedicated to studies because I had no choice I didn't have any other time but those times I really wanted to delve a little bit deeper into that. Um, what I'm trying to express is there's going to be a time wh where people are going to hear this. There's going to be someone. I mean, you were 47. And at 47, a lot of people feel, <clears throat> excuse me, feel the pain of just being alive. Your knee hurts for no reason. Your back hurts. <laughs> so <laughs> Abby, right? So the, the thing is what, what I really, I'm going to ask a lot from you here. What I would like from you is you're not speaking to me, but you're speaking to that 40 something year old who's going to get their bachelor's in a group full of 20 year olds. And possibly the way things are going now with technology and everything, some young people in their teens. And the fact that, I mean, you you said, hey, they used to call me grandma, but maybe someone else might not take that as a compliment like you did. What would you say to that woman or male, because we are having males in, in this nursing field, can you really talk to them as if, as if they were, as if they've known you and talk to them straight out, you know, no sugar coating it. Tell them if they really want to be a nurse and they find themselves in the 40s, what would you say, please? I, 
I would say go forth. Um, you have to understand that you, when as a nurse, um, and you will find this out in clinicals, that you're working with multiple generations. So there in, the, in your classroom, you're dealing with multi-generations, which is a learning ground to how, how are you going to relate to the younger person who all they see is this phone and this is all they do. And you're used to face-to-face -face communication. I think it's a learning experience in your, in your clinicals and in your classroom time for the older person. Don't give up. Do not give up. Just take it and relish it and learn from it. Take the time to interact with the younger generation and really see what they're thinking about. They can learn from you and you can learn from them. I mean, it's a, it's a, I feel it's a win-win situation and never, never, ever let your age be a deterrent to what you want to do in your life. I mean, if you're not happy with what you're doing and you really feel a desire to go into nursing, then do it. Nursing is a field that is, it's just wide open. You can do so many things in nursing. You don't necessarily have to be in the hospital, but if you're in the hospital and you're an NP, you could be a hospitalist, which is a great job, or you could be you know, you could work as a wound care specialist. There's so many fields that you can find the area that's your niche that you want to work in. Maybe you love children. So peds would be your area. You just go through your clinicals, find what you want to do, never give up, and just learn every day. Every day is a new learning experience. Every day is a chance for you to learn uh, from the younger generation and for them to learn from you because you know both of us both the all generations have value all generations have uh, something to contribute and and we when you and then when you graduate and you get in the workforce you're going to have that multi-generational workforce and that will give you the opportunity you will already have had that opportunity working with these young people all multiple, all generations to come together and not be like a fish out of water when you get on the floor. I mean, seriously, you will have already had that one-on-one -on -one conversations with these people, with with the different generations. So you're not, it's, it's a great experience. I'm just saying, do not let an age factor deter what you want to do. Use your time, use your effort, and go forth and do what you want to do. Become a nurse. Become whatever kind of nurse you want to be, whether it's peds, whether it's psych, whether it's labor and delivery, whether it's ER. It does not matter. You will find your niche, and you will grow in that niche. Did that help? Yes. Audience, I want you to pay attention to this. As you're listening to this broadcast, I want you to pay attention to two factors she mentioned. One. Being older, I found myself more diligent. She said she found herself diligent. She's being nice. What she's saying is that she found herself knowing what she wanted and how to get it. When you were, when you were younger, things are distracting. Friends, social activities, things become distracting. Then she says 
Two, once you've accomplished it and you're in the field and you're dealing with people of different ages, don't be afraid because going through school, you dealt with people in different ages. You spoke to someone in their late teens, 20s, 30s, and you already know how to maneuver or motivate to communicate with them. These are two things that a lot of people don't talk about when it comes to becoming an older student, when it comes to going into nursing and saying, I'm 45, I'm 47, I'm 57. And then there's another part of her story that she shared. She was 57 working three 12-hour shifts there was no virtual class. She had to be in the classroom. Now, if you feel doubt being in your 40s and going back, imagine working three 12-hour shifts in your 50s. She made it clear anyone could do this if you really want it. Now, you're going to hear, President Jones, you're, you're going to hear people say, well, you know, I can't afford it. Uh, are there scholarships? Yes, they are. And I was extremely, extremely fortunate in that um, the medical center, Columbus Regional, now Piedmont bought it, and I don't even know the name of it. It's Piedmont Midtown in Columbus, Georgia. Um, one of their things was that if you went back to school, they paid the tuition. So I was very fortunate in that where I worked, they paid my tuition for me to go to school. I only had to, to, to foot the money for the books. And of course, I had my own home. So I was able to, I didn't have to do, you know, that, that was, I just, but tuition was paid for. And, and that, that really made a difference knowing that my tuition was paid for. I, I'll give a, a little side story. When I got my master's, after I got my master's, I was still working labor and delivery. So some of the doctors were saying, why don't you become one of the nurse managers? I go, no, I have had that t-shirt. I don't want it again. Done it. Don't want it again. I love the, the and t-shirt. So they, they, they got a, a, um, a, a new manager for labor and delivery and a part of them postpartum. And she was going around interviewing five or six of us at a time. And so when I said, well, I'm Yada Wanda Jones. I have, I got graduated from Columbus State with my BSN. I have my master's from Troy State University. Now, Troy is literally right across the river from Columbus. Okay. It's Troy. It's Columbus. Georgia, a river, Phoenix City, Alabama. Okay, so I crossed the river and I was in Alabama and I went to Troy. But she said to me, well, then why are you still doing floor duty? And I looked at her and I said, because I love patient care. And she said, well, you need to be in administration. And I looked at her and I said, oh, no, ma'am, I do not need to be in administration. I don't want it. I've been there. I've done that. I've got that t-shirt. I like floor duty. I like hands-on with patients. I like precepting BSN students. 
I like precepting the master students because I was the only master prepared person on the floor who for master's people who were doing their women's health could come in and precept with me. And she said, oh, so even the doctors, they just gave up telling me I ought to go to, you know, to into admin because I like I like the hands on. I truly do. Um, was it grueling? Yes. In the process of finishing up my last semester of my FMT program, I had to have back surgery. And that was um, not a, a pleasant thing. And I had to take my clinicals very slow um, after the back surgery. Um, but, you know, I did it. I still worked. I still went to school. I still uh, did my clinicals, but as opposed to doing, say, six and eight hours a day, I only did maybe three or four hour clinicals until my back truly healed to where I could do it. But um, I, you, you just, just put your mind to it and go forth. That's the best I can tell you. Um, you know, I, I love nursing. I had always loved nursing as, as a, uh, a means of when I was a child, I always wanted, kind of wanted to be a nurse or a teacher. And, um, so then I became a nurse, you know, as opposed to a teacher and never regretted it because I teach, I taught while I was nursing, you know, precepting students, I taught, you know, so you, you have your teacher in there also. Is nursing for everyone? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I, let me just give you uh, two examples. Um, I sometimes think, and please understand this is a true personal opinion, personal, personal opinion. Um, I sometimes think people go into nursing because of the money. We, yes, we do get money, but, and not really, um, not really for what I consider the art of nursing, the caring of nursing. Um, I was in the hospital for six days January 22nd, January 22. And I had a nurse that walked in my room and honestly, I'm too old to do, I've stopped making first impressions. When you get old, you don't do that first impression. You know, you, you just give the person a break. Uh, no, no, that, no, the gentleman should not the person should not, he needs a different calling. Luckily, he didn't come back in my room. I got another nurse that took over for him. On the flip side, I had a one of the techs who was, the young man was awesome. He was absolutely awesome. And he told me we got to talking. And he said, yes, I'm in my junior year of clinicals in nursing school. And I told him, I said, young man, you're going to make one very, very fine nurse. I said, you really care about the person. You care about what you're doing. You care about your job. I said, but the fact that you care about the patient really speaks volumes. That other person did not care about me, did not listen to me. We argued because... <laughs> I asked for a Tylenol for a headache and he wanted to give me an Oxycontin, please. I'm allergic to codeine. 
I said to him, did you not read my records? Right. Do you not see what I'm allergic to? Well, I mean, it was that kind of attitude. So it, it was like, he didn't care. He, didn't, he wanted to get it done, check the blocks off and go, but I will, there were not that many, I was on the COVID ward. Okay. So there was not yeah. that many, I was on the COVID ward, but it was, uh, it was a true learning experience. Um, and, and when you, and I've come to realize that when you're in the hospital, let's just talk about hospitals right now. It's a multifaceted, it, that nurse is not by herself. You've got the person who cleans the rooms. You've got that the dietary people, you know, the kitchen people bringing the food in, you've got your techs and you need to work together as a team. And I truly saw that. Some of the, 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 uh, I guess they were, uh, I don't know what you call them. I guess they were techs who came in and they, those, those people were the kindest, nicest people to me. Can I help you? What do you need? The nurses, the rest of the nurses were phenomenal. I had one nurse fresh out of nursing school, only been a nurse a year, and she was great. She was great, you know, and I and I didn't tell people that I was a retired nurse practitioner. I didn't tell people that I was president of the Georgia Nurses Foundation. That was nobody's business, you know, it, technically it was no one's business, but there were times when I pulled the nursing card. And I said, mm-mm, mm-mm. I, I, if I may say this, I let into a doctor, okay? I told that doctor, because I was 75 years old, do not treat me like I'm an idiot. I have a brain. I am very functional. I am very active. I sit on four boards, multiple committees. I said, do not treat me like an idiot. Pay me a little respect. With that young nurse was standing over on the side and she just, she didn't know what to do. She just looked at me and looked at him and looked at me. And I looked at her and I said, take note of your patients and how they act. The doctor never came back in my room and I didn't care because don't treat me like an imbecile. But, but, but in the long going back all the way around the elbow to get to your thumb, no, nursing is not for everybody. I feel that, you know, maybe you go into nursing and, and you go straight into admin and never do any patient care. How are you going to be admin if you've never done patient care? I think every nurse ought to do some form of patient care to see what the patient, what, what it takes to make the patient and the family, make the patient feel comfortable and the family feel comfortable, but also what does it do to you? You know, how is how are you perceived? How are you treated? You know, do does your patient respect you or does your patient hit you? I mean, I had a patient in labor delivery that every time she had a contraction, she hit me. And after the third time, I told her in no uncertain terms, you touch me again, it will not be, this will not happen. And I called the charge nurse in. And I said, she's hit me three times. I'm telling you right now, she hits me again. I'm walking out. Now, technically, you can't do that. Right. You cannot abandon your patient. Correct. Okay. And I said to the charger nurse, I said, but I will not be, I will not tolerate being hit. Did this patient <laughs> know what she was doing? Oh, yeah. She refused to take any pain medicine. But she, and this was her fourth child. 
fourth child. So I looked at the charge nurse and I said to the charge nurse in front of the patient, I would prefer to not have her any further. I would yeah. prefer for some other nurse to come in and take care, care of her. And that patient looked at me <laughs> and she humbly apologized. Yeah. She truly apologized. I said, no, ma'am, I accept your apology, but I will not stay in this room with you. Now, maybe because I was older and I had enough nerve to stand up and say that where younger people cannot, be what it may, I was reassigned to a different patient. Because, you know, I think the younger people sometimes just don't know how to say stop or go to help and to get help. And that's a shame. But but I don't I do not feel that every, you know. I think nursing is a calling. I think nursing is an art. I think nursing is um, a profession that should be is honored and should be honored. Um, and I'm I'm just very proud to, to be a nurse. I mean, I've continued even I retired in 2011. I still continue my certifications for my FMP because I'm FMP-BC board certified. So I still, every five years, have to go through the horrendous process to be board certified again. I still do that. I still maintain my licensure, my RN, as well as my RNNP license. So, yes, I'm very proud to be a nurse. There's There was a lot of those that are current nurses listening, those that are aspiring nurses listening, rewind this section, this segment of the interview. There was a lot of pearls of wisdom there. People, there's a message there. Let me go into one of the things that I felt like you slightly uh, touched on. It goes into our next question. Do you feel that nurses are underrepresented, not only un underrepresented, but also underappreciated as well? Um, I don't think, you know, back with COVID, we were the heroes, okay? And even before you know, we were certainly heroes of COVID. Not so much now. I think people have, have um, I don't know for some why they've turned a, turned a little bit off of that. I don't understand. I agree with you. But uh, before, before COVID, certainly nursing was not an issue. I mean, you know, it was an honored profession, still is an honored profession. I think it's part, part of it is that I don't think the general public truly understands what nursing is, okay? Now, let me give you an example. If your general public could go into an ICU and see those poles sitting there with four and five pumps and multiple IVs going into a patient and having to know how to maintain all of those pumps, you know, and, and to see and to look at that patient, okay, is the color okay today? Is something amiss? Just that, just look at an, what, what it takes to be an ICU nurse. The general public has no idea. Or if you go in labor and deliver and you think, oh, everything's a happy good time. Oh no, you need to pay very close attention to that fetal monitoring strip to make sure that that infant is okay and that you're assessing the mother 
at the same time. So I sometimes, you know, and I don't think they really understand the, the rigorous education that a nurse has to go through. I mean, the courses that we take, the clinicals that we do. I think part of it is that because of the nursing shortage, and if you're a patient in a hospital, you have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait. And I think that skews your perception of a nurse. And it's not that the nurse is sitting at the nurse's desk twiddling her thumbs, it's that she's running multiple other rooms trying to take care of multiple patients when there is truly a nursing shortage and she's doing the absolute best that she, she he, I don't mean to be, it's a she, he thing. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, that they're doing their ultimate best to take care of the patients that they have. And, you know, I, I really think, um, I, I think the nursing shortage has kind of, um, the perception of the nurses in the hospital has, has decreased a little bit from the general public. And it's not the nurse's fault. It, it's just, there is a true, true nursing shortage. And yes, their students are going into, into the, um, into schools, but there's a faculty shortage to be able to take care of the, the students coming in. There is a um, clinical shortage of where the students can truly go and get clinicals. You know, a lot of people are now, a lot of nursing schools are thinking outside of the box, which I think is phenomenal. Um, but I think because of that, people just, I just don't think the general public understands that it takes to become a nurse. But President Jones, there's so many nursing TV shows. How, how does the public not know? Oh, please do not get me on that. Please do not get please. me on that. Please. I, I want to hear it. This is what oh, an interview is. Please go ahead. You don't want to, you don't, I, well, all right. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. <laughs> I like Grey's Anatomy. Okay. okay. All right. But I will tell you that in the last few years or seasons, Grey's Anatomy has upgraded where the nurses are standing up to the doctors, where the nurses are saying, no, we want this. I will say that. But let's forget Grey's Anatomy. Look. Okay. Do you ever, did you watch The Bachelor? And yeah. the nurse, the travel nurse that wears the long earrings, I could care whether he wears the earrings. <laughs> I could care whether he has tattoos or not. I don't care. But that nurse who was on the bat, who was on uh, the Bachelor, right. I mean the Bachelorette. Now he's on Bachelor uh, Paradise, uh, Bachelor in Paradise, or whatever something in Paradise. Uh -huh. Please heaven, if the general public, I mean, if they think. The man probably is very smart. I'm not saying that he's not, but it's <laughs> right. perception, okay? Yeah. It's perception of it. You know, and I, I really do not care. Um, I, I get very frustrated. I get very frustrated with some of the, the TV shows, and, and I just, I don't know how. I just wish some of the nursing organizations, and I know A&A has stepped in sometimes on some of these programs and said, mm, no. We, we, we don't agree with this. Please do not do this. I will say that. But yeah, you, you look at the, the programs. And Was there us. one show that kind of showed it? I know a real popular one uh, around 10 years ago was a show called Nurse Jackie. 
Oh. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Did I did I trigger something? What's going on? Yes, please. That one, that, that one I, I just, you know, that should have been banned from TV. Okay. I don't even know. I, I just don't even know how that, but yes. And that, that did more harm than good. I'm, I'm oh, serious. that's that's interesting take. Please tell me how, why did you feel I, that it did more harm than good? Because you, or you get these Halloween costumes with nurses that wear yeah. garter belts and yeah. stockings and <laughs> Yeah. Shorts up to their derrieres. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, showing their derrieres, not even up to their derrieres. Uh, right. You know, we we are a professional organization. We thrive on our ethics and our morals and standards, and we thrive on being professional to the public. Yes. Now, you know, do, do some nurses come in with big earrings? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's their choice, okay? Yeah. Do they come in with pink hair, blue hair, and green hair? Who cares? As long as their head knowledge is, is there and there for the patient. I could care less whether they got purple with pink polka dots on them, you know? Right. It's how they care for the patient, right. okay? Um, but do, sometimes perception is a thing, which, yes, I, I just, I really, truly think that I wish we could get a show on TV that would truly say or truly show how great nursing is and what's really involved in the academic the clinicals the testing and then becoming a nurse i i, I wish we could show that president jones can i ask a small controversial question sure okay and you could totally you know say cut it no i don't want to hear it okay do you think the perception of nurses are skewed because nursing is a female dominated occupation. Yes. So if there was more I mean, males than females, I, was, I, I wholly, wholeheartedly wish there were more males, you know, and I, and, and not just white males. I think it needs to be, if we could get more males of all, ethnicity right. it would be awesome now we're getting in certainly more females you right. know of all nationalities but we need more males but and it, i think what the perception is that you see male nurses in the er right you don't really see that many male nurses on the floor now you do see them in peds there are male nurses yeah. who really are are peds people but you don't really see that many male nurses. I want to redirect a little bit because <clears throat> I am a male nurse. But mm -hmm. the thing is, I guess what I want the audience to understand, what I want future nurses to understand, aspiring nurses to understand, those considering the occupation to understand, nursing is a very honorable, very respectable occupation. And again, like we're breaking down barriers, the more we go through on, but here's one barrier to keep in mind that's still there. Why aren't nurses seen? We, we were only in COVID, but beyond COVID, why aren't we seen as heroes more such as firemen? We are the first line of defense. We are the, we're first responders. Why? And is it only because when you think of firemen, listen to it, firemen, police men. Men. Christopher, yes. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know why the perception after COVID has dropped. I truly do not. 
um, because we haven't changed. Nurses haven't changed in their professionalism. But I, as I was stating before, I think that the nursing shortage has caused people to just get so frustrated with the health, uh, hospital healthcare system that they're just, be it right or wrong, they're taking it out on the nursing profession, okay? Not understanding that we're not the culprits, that we don't control the money, that we don't control some of the factors. And and I, I just wish, um, I think that if, and, and this may go off on a tangent, you're going <laughs> to, uh, I just, I just wish that we would, we would upgrade the pay. And I think upgrading the pay some would help stop some of the turnover, that it would maintain some of the retention. But, but on the other hand, I also think that that old saying that nurses eat their young has absolutely unequivocally have to stop. That has to stop. You have to just embrace and love on, for lack of a better way of putting it, the younger people, the new people, be young or old coming into nursing, the new people. People are going to make mistakes. Give them a break. The entry-level nurses. Show them how to help them how to to navigate you know if they continue to make that same mistake and they don't listen that's a whole different animal that's a whole different animal but if you know people are going to mistake make mistakes coming in and just don't chastise them and cut them down to a core because they made a mistake people are not perfect give everybody a chance work with the people, be a mentor to the people, you know? I mean, it was like when I was in labor and delivery, they didn't even ask. I got all the nursing students. It was never a question when the students came on the floor, I got the students. I'll give you another example. I always got the male students. They okay. always gave me the male students. And I, I know this may be off, going off a tangent a little bit, but you know, I would, I would make sure that the male student in labor and delivery didn't stand over there behind the curtain, okay? That they were hands-on during that whole process. In other words, certainly they could not do some of the exams, okay? Um, but, you know, they could be there. They could, if they were up at the head of the bed, they could actually see a delivery, okay? But I would always go in and ask the patient first and their partner, be it husband, be it husband, be it a wife, I would ask the, the partner, do you object to this male being in this room knowing what area of the body that he may see, will see, do you object to that? If so, please let me know and we'll set our parameters right now. Very rarely when I approached it that way, did I ever get no. And if I got a no, I would say, what do you, what can I not do? 
And if they gave me parameters and they were acceptable, we had a great time. I mean, all my, all the guys that worked with me had a great time in labor and delivery. They didn't stand over in the corner just wishing for these few hours to be over with. Okay. But, but again, I go back to don't eat your young, be kind. You know, I was, as I said, I was 47 on my first job. And when I went to labor and delivery, it was a very, very unique situation. The medical center was hiring like 10 nurses because they were opening up a 12 labor and delivery unit, not labor delivery recovery, but labor delivery as LDRs, but we didn't recover the patient. They went to postpartum, antipartum, postpartum. But anyway, the nurses who had been on that unit had been there 20 and 30 years. There were no young, trust me, no young nurses in labor and delivery. And those women ate, chewed up and ate the new nurses. And I was one of them. And I luckily, because I was old enough, I fought back. And they, some of them accepted it and some of them didn't like it. But you got to change. You've got to change that mentality. And uh, I, I just, um, I, I don't know, Christopher, as to why the perception has changed. I truly, honestly don't. I'm hoping that more and more males will come in. Um, I do know that, bless Richard Lampier's soul, um, he, you know, he's the um, executive director for the um, PAP program, GNAPAP program. He's all for wanting more male nurses. He's pushing more male nurses to come into nursing. And we need more advocates like that to get men nursing, men into nursing. And he's a perfect example. He was the first male president for GNA. I mean, all these years, over 100 years, he was the first male president of GNA. I mean, so it's just like, well, look at Ernest Grant. Ernest Grant was the first black male president of ANA. I mean, you know, and Ernest Grant just is a truly phenomenal gentleman. Just, he's a big man, just like a teddy bear, but he's so sweet. But uh, I hope that answered your question. It did. It did. Um, I want to re- I want to talk to the audience to let them know, you know, for those for uh, and I'm gonna speak to the males out there, for those who thought about it are unsure about it. Let me tell you this, you know. There's danger in being a nurse if you're a danger <laughs> seeker. There's danger, you know. And there's sometimes nurses get assaulted. Um, there's also sadness, you know. When you you know when you hear about that firefighter pulling out that body from that building. Well, as a nurse, sometimes you have that body that couldn't be saved. So nursing is not a weak occupation. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It is not. It is not a weak. It is not. It is mentally, physically exhausting. I mean, there were days in labor and delivery that literally 
we had to get someone to stand in our room for us to go to the bathroom. I mean, literally on a 12 hour shift, depending on your patients. That's how, I mean, 12 hours nonstop, no sitting down, nothing, no food, nothing. If you grabbed a cracker, you were a happy camper, okay? But to see a baby being born was awesome. Or conversely, to see a baby die was not good. I will tell you when I became a, a, a nurse practitioner and I worked with the soldiers, the corpsmen in the army are some of the best prepared people you'll ever meet. And I just think we need to think outside of the box to get those corpsmen, those medics who are coming out of the army fast-tracked into an Aryan situation. I mean to tell you, I would, I would go to them. I'd go to them and go, mm, what do you think? Okay, I'll do like a, like a toenail. And I could do it legally. I would numb the toenail. I'd turn it over to them and let them complete the procedure. You know, but it was, I'll, I'll give you just another example. Well, actually, I could give you multiple examples with soldiers, but I just, I went to, a, um, when they graduate, okay, you have your eight-weekers who are your people who will go into, like, logistics or signal corps or corpsmen, or, and then you have your 12-weekers who are straight infantry, who are infantry, special forces, yada, yada, yada. So I predominantly dealt with the eight-weekers, and um, only because of where the clinics were situated on Fort Benning. So I went to one of their graduation ceremonies because they kept asking me, could you come? Could you come? So I went. I was one of the slow days in the clinic and my supervisor allowed me to go. And they said to me, multiple soldiers go, Miss Jones, Miss Jones, you came. You came to our graduation. And I said, well, you asked me. I certainly did. And I said, and it was honored that, that you asked me. Then all of a sudden, I heard this drill sergeant say, you're Miss Jones? And I turned around and I go, um, yeah, drill sergeant, what can I do for you? Well, all I hear is, I want to go see Miss Jones. I don't feel good. I want to go see Miss Jones. I don't feel good. And I looked at him and I said, and drill sergeant, when they came to see me, did they come back to see me? And he goes, no. I said, so obviously I took care of them the first time around and I didn't, you didn't, they didn't have to come back to me and you didn't have to send them. And he goes, no. And I said, well, drill sergeant, let me just say, I have a son in the Air Force and I'm hoping that he is being cared for as nicely as I'm trying to take care of these soldiers. And the drill sergeant went, yes, ma'am, and you are. And I said, well, thank you, sir. Just thoroughly, thoroughly work, work, worked, enjoyed working with the military and with the soldiers. And what you were saying about being afraid, I never feared. The, there was one time, and I can't tell you how many hundreds of thousands of soldiers I saw, one time, only one time, was I ever afraid? And it is so nice to work in an environment to where you don't you don't have abuse, verbal or physical. And you know, and when I I picked the phone up and I asked the first that the reception, you know, and I said, 
would you ask the sergeant, the first sergeant to come in, please? I said, it's so nice and sweet. And man, I'm telling you, that man must have run. And he knocked on the door and he goes, Miss Jones, I understand you need something. I go, yes, sir. And then I proceeded to tell him why. And he goes, I will take care of the situation. It was a, a mental situation. And um, so, you know, you, you, when you, when you feel safe, it's great, but I just, you know, I just, I just want more men like you with this broadcast, keep reiterating to the male, go into nursing. You will love it. It is a great opportunity. There is, you don't, you don't just, you know, you can do surgery, you can do ER, you could do PEDS, you could do ICU, you could do med surge, you could do, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, you can do it all. There's so many opportunities and just, we just need more males in the nursing profession. I just truly think that it, that's, that would really help with going back to what you said. Why, why are we not perceived like we used to be? But I think the male... And, and I will tell you that, that when I was in the hospital, those, that one guy who will be a male nurse, he will be an awesome male nurse. And that's what it's all about. Both males and females, but males at this moment, if you we ever had it. dreams of saving lives or changing lives, this is the occupation where it could be done. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And and you know, you can. You know there 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 is opportunities. I mean, there is true an advancement. You're not, you don't have to just think about. It. There's opportunities to save lives. There's opportunities to have someone feel comfortable and safe, or even on the other spectrum, if they're dying to feel comfortable in their last moments. But you also have a, 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 a chance for investment. Um, um, you can go up. You're not just stagnant at one level. Yeah, you can, you you can be promoted, advanced up, it, you know. Advanced, but even LPN, RN, BSN, MSN, NP. And, you know, there are MPs that became MDs even. It happens. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's, it's there, you know. Any other questions? Absolutely. Me, Are there <laughs> any projects your organization is currently working on or working on currently? Yes. And that's why I said earlier, let me wait till I, till this question. Um, the foundation, one of the main goals of the foundation is to, give out scholarships that has been our goal for years okay and i have been literally off and on the gna board and the foundation board since 1996 so that tells you how long i've been on both boards okay and we have always wanted given scholarships well there's always been um the overton the pope and the chance those three are always given okay well, most of the time they're given biannually. We're now trying to give them annually. You know, and the foundation raises money. 
And this past year, we were extremely, extremely fortunate to get received two very generous donations. One of the donations, we gave five scholarships. The other donation, we gave two LPN to RN scholarships. In fact, we just paid their first semester. They'll get another check in January to pay for their last semester because they're graduating. Then we were able to give to 10 rural technical scholar, technical schools, 10 scholarships to 10 graduating seniors. That is 12 people who have signed an agreement to work in the rural areas, be it rural health clinic, be it a rural hospital, be it a rural federal clinic. And there's one or two more areas, but they're rural areas that are 12 RNs that are now going to be able that the rural health communities will have. So having said that, the foundation is um, what I am going to work on the next two years is working with technical schools to try to get more scholarships for both LPN to RN and then your graduating RN students. Now they don't have to be, they're, they're ADN or BSN. No, they're ADN. Most technical schools do ADN, okay? So we are, that's the way we're looking at it because we need to be able to, I think that's where the greatest need is right now is the rural health area, the rural environment, the rural communities. And when people go to rural colleges, their families are in that area. They're going to stay in that area. They're not going to want to leave with their mothers and their fathers and their aunts and their uncles and their grandparents. They're going to want to stay in their environment that they grew up in. And by working with the, the rural technical colleges of Georgia, um, I think we can certainly bring some more scholarships to these areas to make sure that we have more RNs staying in the rural area and hopefully working to be able to get more LPNs to RNs or even flat getting some LPNs, you know, graduate from CNAs to LPNs. So that's one of the one of that's the one of the main projects is working with the technical colleges. That's amazing. And getting more scholarships. That is really so amazing. we gave out a total of 21 scholarships this year. We have never ever had that opportunity to give that much that many students scholarships. And I am hoping that next year we will be able to continue to do that and to continue with the fundraising to enhance to give scholarships we used to only give like five hundred dollars right well back then five hundred dollars went a lot <laughs> yeah five hundred dollars five hundred dollars these days is not even gonna, it's not even a drop in the bucket okay yeah. you've got you know you're, you've got to have thousands yeah you know and we gave scholarships anywhere from two thousand to twenty seven hundred Oh, wow. And that's a, that's a decent that's a decent amount of money. Yes, it is. The the the, the ten technical schools the, the they got twenty seven hundred, because as the person said to me, at the end they have to pay for NCLEX, they have to pay for testing, so that additional money 
for these people in rural areas who don't have any money to begin with. And I don't mean that. I mean, you know, really, they're, they're, they're really need money. Um, this will help them pay for their NCLEX. This will help them pay for their testing. And as when I was talking to the person and to some, some of the technical schools, they're saying they don't get money. The universities get money, but the technical schools do not. So this is one thing. Also going into the schools, going starting in the, in the middle schools. Hey, have you thought about being a nurse? And certainly getting people like Richard who will go to a middle school and, and, and let the, the guys, the boys look at him and go, here's a man who's a nurse. You know, they've probably never, never seen a male nurse before. They only see male doctors, not male nurses. So, you know, going starting in the middle school and doing stuff and educating and showing, think about this. Because I will tell you this, and I don't know if you know this, Christopher, that a lot of the high schools have this dual program. But you have to decide in the middle school what course you're going on. Do you want to be a chef? So you'll go down the nutrition course. Oh, wow. Do you want technology? So when you start in the ninth grade, you'll take all computer classes. Oh, wow. If you want to do medical or nursing, any medical, then you go down the medical class. But you have to pick this in your eighth grade before you get into the ninth grade. So that's why we have to pick the junior high students and start talking to them about do you want this is a nursing profession this is what it can be this is the avenues you can go to so we have to start working in the middle schools so that when they get in high schools and they start these dual programs when they get ready to graduate some of them can graduate as lpns some of them graduate cnas you know we can keep them keep them going down that pipeline so that we know that we've got a revenue, we've got that pipeline of people coming right behind them that will come into nursing. But, you, but I will go back to this. You've got to have faculty so that you can have students. Are you've you got to have clinical sites so that the students can be clinically trained. Somewhere in this pipeline, there's got to be some changes. Well, you had but, been you, you had been saying when you were working uh, baby delivery that some of them try to get you into admin, but you said, no, I want to work the floor. What happens to those who work the floor and people say, hey, I you thought about being an educator and they say, no, I want to work the floor. What do you do then? Well, <laughs> that that you can you can. You know, I think they're they're beginning to realize that you can be an educator and still be work clinicals. You you still can do clinical work and still educate. When I became um, a nurse practitioner, multiple multiple times I was asked, "Come to work, come come work at the college." And I looked at them and I said, "Folks." Send me your, well, I couldn't because Fort Benning wouldn't allow, I couldn't precept at Fort Benning. I precepted the military people who were just graduating. I mean, the nurses who just graduated and coming into the army. But they asked me and I said, first off, I'm not taking a $50,000 a year cut in pay. And I would have taken a $50,000 a year cut in pay to go to work Wow. as, as a faculty person. Yeah. Wow. And I said, I can't do it. I said, I wow. can't do it. You know, I, 
I, I'm a single person. I, yeah. That's a, that's a tremendous amount of money. Yes. And 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 you're right. But nowadays, I think they're seeing, and that's one of the things from one of the preliminary sessions at the conference that they're that teachers can now be can now work, but also teach. And that's what you're going to have to have. I think you're going to have to have it both ways. I think you're going to have to allow the teachers who want the people who want to work but also want to teach, not necessarily become a professor. That's not a whole, that's a whole different animal. And, and I, I don't know. Um, I just, I just, I'll give you an example. I have a friend who worked labor and delivery with me and she was the only cardiac certified nurse in the hospital, L and D cardiac certified nurse. She only had her ADN. I don't even think she had her ADN. What they have before ADN, um, her diploma program. She only had a diploma. I don't even think she had an ADN. But I'm going to tell you, she was one of the best teachers I had ever had. She could teach cardiac. You could be an idiot and understand cardiac when she finished. Okay, she could teach strips. She could teach you, and she could teach you how does this work with with the uh, patient so you don't you know sometimes you don't my humble opinion christopher my humble opinion you don't always have to have all those initials behind your name to be a good teacher and maybe we need to think outside the box maybe to have more i mean you're talking faculty. about like just when you say thinking out the box you're talking about really doing some changes and some considerations it's exactly right. You know, maybe maybe to pick up people who don't have all those initials, but who have the, the book sense and the ability to tell teach you. I mean Well that uh, goes back to when to when you're saying nurses, you know, eating eating their young or the lateral violence. So in that case, you gotta make sure that they're still respected, even though they don't have that whole alphabet soup behind them. Because I mean that's exactly. what you're really saying. And I mean, this is real change, That's real exactly right. strong change. But you've got, we've got to think outside of the box, having listened to all of those preliminary sessions and communication was a big deal, but we have got to think outside of the box of how are colleges. And I think I, I probably bet the technical schools were already doing this, but how can colleges pull in faculty that aren't doctors, that aren't FMPs, you know, that yeah. that are still working, that can be clinical, you know, right. that can help in the faculty so that you can get more nursing students in and that you can increase that number of, of people of, for the workforce, you know, but we've got to kind of think outside the box on some of these areas to increase the number of instructors for to increase the number of students but you've got to also have clinical space. And um, that that seems to be the number one issue is having some clinical space right now. And you've got to think outside of the box on that. You've got to go really outside the box. And I'm gonna, I was very, very fortunate when I did my FNP program, I really thought outside the box because my preceptor, the medical center has a family residence program 
and I was had the um, I had the uh, opportunity that I had a second year resident be my preceptor for most of my FNP program. And then my final semester, I had a third year resident who was changing from another specialty. He got out of the Navy and one specialty switching to FNP to, I mean, to family practice. So I had him as a preceptor. So I had a whole different, cause wherever they went, whatever clinical they were in, I was right along with them. If they were in the hospital, I was in the hospital. If they were in the clinic, I was right there in the clinic. If they were doing home health, I was doing home health. I had the very fortunate opportunity to do that. And I was very happy with that because if you think about it, labor and delivery is one person. I mean, one is a female and pretty much one portion of the body, one set area of the body. I'm trying to be politically correct here. Okay? I understand. I understand. <laughs> so then I had to go learn, you know, family nurse practitioner goes from birth to death. So I had to go males. I had to pick up the male population and learn everything about males. And by working with these residents, I was certainly able to do that. Certainly, certainly able to do that. So we've got to really start thinking outside of the box to do to really help to increase the workforce and to to stop to decrease the nursing shortage in the state of Georgia. And Georgia is not the only one. Yeah, that across has the nation. Across it's across the nation. The nation. <clears throat> and I think I think that now hospitals and colleges and are beginning to say, hey, we got to think outside the box. We've got to change this. Or we're, you know, because you you have to think about the baby boomers or what is it? I'm a baby boomer. boomer. So generation Xers. Right. Yeah. You know, they're beginning to retire. Yeah, 50, generation 60 X. 60-year-olds yep. are beginning to retire, and that's the majority of your workforce. Yeah. So what's going to happen when they all start retiring and you don't have that backup of regardless of the age of the person, yeah. but you don't have that workforce backup, you're going to have a really critical, critical shortage. You can't, robots can't do everything. Now, yes, robots are coming on the scene. Yes, robots are doing things. They just look cute. And, a, and AI is also another issue. Don't get me into AI, but AI is that's another an, issue. Yeah, that's a, really, that's a different episode, President Jones. You can only have so much yeah. of the robotics and the AI that can help decrease the workload of a nurse, but you've got, we've really got to make some changes. Well, besides President Jones, we have to say Innovator Jones as well, because innovation <laughs> is her thing for this episode. We've come to the part of the segment of the show where we ask you to put down your title, to look straight into the camera, and say from your heart something you want aspiring student, current, and retired nurses. Something you want them to know from your heart. Not President Jones, but just Miss Wanda and what she wants to say. Please, the floor is yours. I'd like to say... First, age is not a factor. It doesn't, regardless of your age. And you, if you want to become a nurse, you could become a nurse. Um, there are means, I know you may not think, 
but there are means funding out there available for the older nurse. I want to say, please, I hope more and more males will come into nursing. We need you. We truly need nursing. And don't just stay in the ER. Go all over. Do everything. Third, I want to say we need to think outside of the box for nursing students. We need to find some really quality, quality clinical sites for nursing students to get that quality um, experience so that when they do graduate and they do have a job, they start on their job, that they don't feel like a fish out of water. And I want to say that the older nurse, please stop eating the younger nurses, the younger, the new nurses, I can't use younger, the new nurses, give them the right to make a mistake and help them, help them to grow, mentor them, love on them. Everybody makes mistakes, nobody's perfect, but if that person continues to make mistakes and does not want to listen, that's a whole different discussion for a whole different time. But the biggest takeaway is that nursing is a profession. It is a calling. It is not for everybody. And I feel that the patient care, that when, when you can walk in and that patient feels comfortable with you and you help the patient even in a happy time or a sad time, and even help the, the families who can be very difficult at times. I think that's so important. Whether you're in a hospital or in a clinical setting, it doesn't matter. You just need to remember that nursing is a profession. It is a calling. It is honorable. It is ethical. It is moral. And we, you know, I am very, 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 very proud to be a nurse and I just I'm honored I'm honored to be the association I mean the foundation's president I'm honored to just uh, help in any way that I can I was telling someone um, that I I really miss teaching I love being a mentor I love teaching but I have a visual problem I have macular degeneration and I can't see small print I can't drive anymore so I'm kind of limited. But as one person said to me, but Wanda, you can talk and you can help. So, you know, just never give up. Never give up. And just don't, again, I'll reiterate, do not let age stop you. Do not let gender stop you, you know, and just become a nurse. I, don't, I think you will never, ever, ever regret Right. Sounds like the audience loved it. Sounds like they loved it. Yeah, they loved it. Do not let age get in your way of fulfilling your dream. That's For right. those who had, you know, children young and couldn't make it to nursing school for whatever reasons. For those who had that issues. Was me. I had children young. <laughs> and couldn't make it to nursing when they were younger. You could become a nurse at any age. For the men out there, you want to buck up, buck up and put on those scrubs. And let's see. Let's see how much of a man you really are when exactly. you go to all those different departments and all those fields. 
Let's see. Let's see where you cry. Thank you, President exactly. Jones. You, it was an honor and a pleasure interviewing today. Thank you so much. I was, I'm so honored that you asked me. Oh, I'm excited. It's been a true pleasure, and thank you so much. I wish you the best thank you. in your nursing career. Thank you. I know you're going to be awesome. I hope so. <laughs> uh, can we please say goodbye to the audience? Goodbye. Bye, audience.